Let us be attentive. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews. Let us be attentive. Brethren, he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified have all one origin. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim thy name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation I will praise thee, and again I will put my trust in him, and again here am I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same nature, that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, that is the devil, and all deliver those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong bondage. For surely it is not with angels that he is concerned, but with the descendants of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make expiation for the sins of the people. For because himself has suffered and has been tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. Peace be with you, the reader. Wisdom arise, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Let us be attentive. In those days, Elizabeth, the wife of Zacharias, conceived and for five months she hid herself, saying, Thus the Lord had done to me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How shall this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps what I'm going to say this morning might at first seem a bit shocking, but I trust that if you bear with me, perhaps we will come to see in a different light the role of the Mother of God in our economy of salvation. Many of us who hold the Theotokos in such high regard, esteem, and veneration, who name our churches in her honor, who sing her praises all through Lent, who venerate her icons and pray for her intercessions, many of us at times might be grieved when we think that so many of our fellow Christians of other denominations don't seem to have the same regard. Over the years, in leading church tours, especially at festival time when we have so many visitors, I'm repeatedly asked, why do you, why do you hope to have these teachings about Mary? 
She's not part of the Trinity. And particularly in certain Protestant denominations in the South where I served, these teachings about Mary amount somewhat to an anathema. So over the years, whenever these questions came up, I pondered what I should respond. And then finally one day when somebody asked me, what is the Orthodox teaching about Mary? I responded, we don't have any teachings about Mary. We only have teachings about Jesus Christ. But a very important aspect of the teachings of Je- about Jesus Christ is the teaching about Mary. They go hand in glove. Consider our creed. Where do you find a mention of the mother of God in our creed? It's part of our proclamation of our belief in Jesus Christ. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ. And then we rehearse all our teachings, and one of the teachings about Jesus Christ is the teaching that he was incarnate by the Virgin Mary and the Holy Spirit. Our teaching about Mary, the mother of God, is our teaching, part of our teaching about Jesus Christ. It's that simple. All of our teachings, as a matter of fact, are about Jesus Christ. All of our church is about Jesus Christ. And the mother of God, the Theotokos, plays an essential role in understanding who Jesus Christ truly was. It's interesting if you look at the creed. Although there is no one more different than the Theotokos, you'll notice that Pontius Pilate gets equal billing. He's mentioned once in the creed, just as the mother of God is mentioned. Now, you couldn't get two more opposite human beings than Pontius Pilate and the mother of God. But they're both mentioned, and for the same reason, they are both teachings about Jesus Christ. They teach that he was fully like us. And he came up against the worst of our nature as well as the best of our nature. And he shared in both. That's our teaching. That's our teaching about the mother of God. That Jesus Christ was truly a human being. 
He was truly tried. He truly suffered. He truly died on the cross. He was truly born and raised as a baby. That's our teaching. The teaching is that God and man met in Jesus Christ. Now, how did this conception, which reconceives all of humanity, take place? It took place through a gracious God and a people prepared. God, ruler of heaven and earth, did not come among us until he received the permission of a teenage girl. Now, any of you who have been parents or are parents of a teenage girl know what a risk it is to try to get her approval. But the Lord did that. He emptied himself He waited to be conceived by the ear, by the obedience of a teenage girl. But that's only half the story. That's the story of the gracious God. But what about the people prepared? This was not just any ordinary teenage girl. This is a teenage girl at the end of a long history of Israel which was prepared through the law, through the sufferings, through the wanderings, through the trials, even through the failures and the apostasies, prepared and summed up in this teenage girl, this Miriam, who was to become the Theotokos, the bearer, the mother of God. That's our teaching. Our teaching is always about Jesus Christ. And I think out of all of humanity, I dare say the mother of God would agree with that. I like to think that she would share in the words of John the Baptist, I must decrease so he might increase. And I think she would want us also to recognize that we too must bear Christ, that we must be a people prepared, that we must be a soul and a heart and a mind prepared through our trials, through our sufferings, through our hopes, through our trust, through our surrender and obedience, we would be a people prepared, as she was. And we would conceive in our hearts as she conceived in her ear and say to the Lord, let it be according to your word. 
I believe she would bless that. And remember, when a woman in the crowd called out to Jesus Christ, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which you sucked, what did the Lord respond? Nay, rather, blessed is he who hears the word of God and keeps it. We glorify the mother of God on this day and on all the days of our lives by following her and her perfect obedience which bore the man God about whom all our teachings, all our church, all our practices, all our worship is about. And may he who condescended to be born of a virgin for our salvation, Christ our true God, have mercy on us and save us. Amen. Amen.